Welcome to Northside Community Church. We believe that our mission is to impact the community in a positive way by speaking and living out the good news of Jesus. We hope that you will enjoy this message today. Our series is Healthy Christianity. We're going to do part one today. So I'm going to lay a foundation for you. But I'm actually really excited about part two. Unfortunately, we can't do part two unless we do part one. So we have to do part one. And you're going to have homework. So that's my teaching coming through. So I'm a very good teacher. So I give my children homework and then we revise it and we review it and we mark it. And I send you back and I say, go do it again. But there are things that we do for the Lord again and again and again until we do it right. So it is my honor and my privilege to be here this morning. If you don't know me, I'm Yvette Creel, and I'm part of the preaching team at Northside Community Church, Jundalup, in Perth. Part one is about getting rid of the toxins. Now, according to Oxford, A healthy lifestyle includes activities and habits that encourages the development of total physical, mental, and spiritual fitness, and which reduces the risk of major illnesses. A healthy lifestyle can prevent chronic disease and long-term illness. It promotes mental health, reduces anxiety, stress, and depression. It saves money. And it helps us to develop good habits that brings balance into our life through applying the concept of self-care. Healthy activities and habits include regular exercise, a balanced, nutritious diet, adequate sleep, relaxation, abstaining from smoking and taking drugs and moderating the intake of alcohol. So here I've got my little setup for you. So let's see what is good and let's see what needs to go. So do you guys think we keep the bike? Yeah, we keep the bike. Okay, bike is in. How about the whiskey? Moderate. Okay, so let let me just say this. I'm not saying you're not allowed to have a drink. You are allowed to have a glass of wine or whatever you enjoy. The word of the Lord says, do not get drunk of alcohol, but get drunk with the Holy Spirit. And this is what we want to do in part two, is we want to get drunk with the Holy Spirit. But if this is a toxin in your life, this needs to? It needs to go. There is a sleeping mask. Do you think we can keep that? Yeah, good sleep is good. Then we have fruit. Yep, fruit is good. Then we have smoking. No, smoking's bad. It gives you lung cancer and you'll die. Okay, so not, not a good, good idea. Reading a book. Yeah, reading a book is good. How do you like my drugs? <laughs> this is my drugs, man. Come on, mate. Oh, nice ones. Yeah. Okay, does it go? Yeah, it goes, it goes. All right, so I think we're in agreement here. As children of God living in the kingdom, we too are called to a life of health and balance. 
So I've set up a few words for you guys, and I want you to say to me, keep or let go. So let's practice. Keep. Oh, it's very, very bad. Keep. Better. Let go. Okay, I want to hear you. Prayer. Excuse me? Keep. Unforgiveness. Praise and worship. Communion. Transgressions. I was like, I don't actually know what that word means. But, uh, okay, let go. Bible. Bible? Good. Trust and faith. Good. Sin. Oh, we know that one. Yeah. Obedience. Excuse me? That's better. Spirit-led. Good. Iniquities. Let go. Because one of those strange ones. Okay, we're going to look into that. Time with God. Excuse me? Yes, keep. Flesh-led. Okay, that's a bad one. All right. Good, you did well. You did very well. Our series, Healthy Christianity, is two parts. Part one, which is today. We are going to give context to our scripture, reading and look at what we need to abstain from and let go of because it makes our Christian walk unhealthy. In part two, we are going to learn how to increase spirit health and balance as we explore the, the scripture reading in more depth and look at the huge role of the Holy Spirit in our lives in order to maintain the health and the balance. Our passage from the Word of the Lord for this series is found in 2 Kings 4, verse 1 to 7, beginning from verse 1. And I'm actually only going to do verse 1 today. So let's read it. 2 Kings 4, verse 1. If you want to look it up in your Bibles, on your phone, you're more than welcome. 2 Kings 4, verse 1. Otherwise, read with me on the screen. This is Elijah and the widow's oil. Now the wife of a son of the prophets cried to Elijah, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my sons to be his slaves. Now let's give context to this verse. Elisha means my God is salvation. He was a disciple and a prodigy of Elijah. Now, Elijah was the prophet that destroyed the Baal prophets during the reign of Ahab and Jezebel. Remember Jezebel? Okay, maybe not Ahab, but Jezebel definitely. Like Enoch, Elijah never died. They went over the river and there was a whirlwind and a chariot and he was taken up and he didn't die. And then what happened is he threw his mantle down and Elisha picked up the mantle and he received a double portion of what Elijah had. So he was with him for like 20 years. And he did twice as many miracles. Now Elijah served from 892 to 832 BC as an advisor to the 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 
eighth king of Judah. And he was in the office of a prophet. So I can't explain that now, but being in the office of a prophet means he was a big dude. He was the chief, the Makulu chief. He was huge. The school of the prophets was like a school or a college in which young men were educated and qualified for public teachers. And Elisha was their leader. They were groups of disciples who met together and worshipped the Lord and received instruction from Elisha. They were men of integrity, godly, and worthy to fit the profile of a prophet. The widow's husband was one of these. And during a time of great apostasy, where Jezebel brought in Baal worship and where many people were killed, there were 7,000 hidden. Elijah didn't even know about them. So when he cried before the Lord, oh, I'm the only one left, poor me, the Lord said, well, actually, there's 7,000 like you. So welcome to the club. And he ended up teaching them and leading them. Now, according to Jewish tradition and the Hebrew Bible, the widow's husband is identified as Obadiah. He was a servant to King Ahab. So he served in the palace as an administrator, but he also served under Elijah as a prophet, and he came out of Edom. So he was actually an Edomite. Then he became converted, and he became a prophet. He was also known as the man who hid a hundred prophets in two caves for a prolonged period of time, and he fed them. But at a point in time, he realized that he could not feed them out of the king's resources. So what he did is he went to the king and he said, can I please loan money from you? And the king said yes, and he gave him the money and he made debt, which is against the principle of God. So there's a funny twist in the story. You will see that the Lord rectifies it later on. He then uses that money to take care of these hundred prophets and Jezebel doesn't get to kill them. Because Obadiah made debt in honor of God. Strange principle. The Lord comes to his widow and he says, I will miraculously provide for you. And then we'll see what happens to the dead in part two. But for now, we see that when Ahab dies and Obadiah dies, the creditor went to the widow and it fell on her to pay the debt. It seemed that she had nothing left. If you go read the research, there was nothing. She had sold everything in her house to pay the creditors. So now there's nothing left except three valuable articles. Her two sons and a flask of oil. Now in the eyes of the creditor, only her sons met, meant something. They had value. Here's your truth nugget. 
The world will never see the things of God as valuable. The creditor wanted to take her sons as slaves. So they had commercial value. And according to Exodus 12, he could keep them and let them work for him for six years before they were to be sent back home. So six years paying off the debt. When all of this happened, the widow made a choice. A choice. It's our choices that sets us up for consequences in life. It is our choices in our brain that falls into our heart that leads to actions that gives us the rest of our lives. She made a choice. And she went to Elijah and she made her appeal. So that is when you make a serious and an urgent and a heartfelt request. She reminded him of the faithfulness and the reverent fear of her late husband. Now, what is reverent fear? Oh, I haven't got that one. It's okay. I'll explain it. Proverbs 9 verse 10. The short version, version says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So it seems like the widow also knew the Lord. Because I'm sure if Obadiah came home and she fed him and, and she cleaned the table and she said, husband, rest, you know, let me take your shoes off and can I bring you something to snack on and how about a nice cup of Milo? Now let me sit here with you. Now what did Elisha teach you today? And she would sit and she would listen. So she also knew the Lord. Therefore, it was a choice to go and search out his God. In both passages of Scripture, the word Lord is Yahweh. And it is important for us to understand what this name of God means. You see, in the English translation, it's God or Lord, and it doesn't mean anything to us, and we don't know what it means. But in the Greek and the Hebrew, it is very, very important that we understand all the names of God and the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus, because there are many, and the name carries character. A name carries content. So at one or other point in time, I would like to share that with you. But I am going to share Yahweh with you today. Yahweh means I am who I am. And we've spoken about I am. Do you remember? Yes, we've spoken. So I am. It also means the ancient of day, the everlasting father, the um, alpha and omega. Yahweh means unchanging. Eternal, self-sufficient, a covenant-keeping God. This name of God was seen as so holy by the Jews that they never spoke it. Only on the Day of Atonement, when the high priest came and he cleansed their sins of the year, for the year, he would use the name Yahweh. The Jews normally substituted with Adonai. And in your Bible, it reads Lord. 
Like Adonai, Yahweh means source. But this time, it bears the father heart of God. He has the final say to everything. God has a covenant with you. He will not break his covenant, but you can break the covenant. You can walk away. You can decide you no longer want to serve the Lord. You can decide you want to be an atheist or you want to be a, a, another religion. You can do that. So you can break the covenant, but God will never break his covenant with you. As your father, he doesn't want to have a slave-master relationship with you. He wants a child-daughter-son relationship with you. Now the widow understood that she was asking Yahweh. This is your truth nugget. Yahweh, I am who I am, the ancient of days, everlasting father, alpha and omega. In any circumstance, you have resources. She had. What did she have? Three sources, two sons, and a flask of oil. You may be facing circumstances in your life. We all do. We all have seasons. We are all in different places. But in every circumstance, you have a resource. You don't have nothing. You have something. And you can make an appeal to Yahweh. It's a choice. And he's the one who blesses and redeems and protects and provides and he saves you. Now I want to, you to consider some questions. So this is in your heart. Do you personally know the Lord as Yahweh in your circumstances? Because he knows you. He knows what you're facing. He knows the challenges. He knows what you can and cannot do. He knows struggles. He knows your despair. He knows where you are, but he also knows where you need to be. Have you spoken to the Lord about what you are facing? Or are you texting your friends or on the phone or um, having tea with a colleague and just discussing, but you're not sitting with the Lord face to face? Speak to him first, and then you seek the counsel of others. In the circumstance that you are facing today, can you identify your resource? What's your fish and bread? What do you have in your hands? And the last one, do you have creditors that enslave you? In our lives, we will find that the enemy can invade us. So when there's legal right, when they have exertional power, allowed power, that which you allow them to have, that creates an open door, and they now have the permission and the legal right to function through that open door in your life, and they bring destruction, and they will kill and they will destroy. But Jesus paid 
the price. You see, Jesus died on the cross, and there at the foot of the cross lies your little bag. And it says, Pastor Hardy. And everything that Pastor Hardy would need, Jesus paid for. All the forgiveness, all the healing, all the deliverance, everything is there. It's his back. It's paid for. Past, present, future. But Pastor Hardy needs to access the bag. Like you have to access the bank to get out your money. You're a millionaire, but you never draw the money. So Jesus paid for everything, but you need to access it at times. In Psalm 32 verse 5, David says, I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I will confess my transgression so the Lord can forgive me of my guilt. Now we spoke about the drugs need to go and the alcohol needs to go. And the smoking needs to go. Okay, I can, I can think of a few more things that needs to go. But let's bring that to the spiritual. Let's look at sin. So these are the toxins that we need to get rid of today in the next two weeks so that we can come and seek the face of the Holy Spirit the next part. Because the next part, we want to release the Holy Spirit to bring healing and to bring freedom and to enter into your situation. Not that it's not going to work. It's already working. Sin is not just the Ten Commandments. Sin is harmatia, when you miss the mark. You know when you've got a bow and an arrow? They're like a dartboard. When you miss that, it's, it's missed, it's not, didn't hit the target. That's harmatia. So sin is disobedience. When the Lord says to Mandy, Mandy, you need to phone Mal and encourage her, and she doesn't do that, she has sinned by not making a telephone call. You get it? So what is sin for you might not be sin for me. If the Lord didn't tell me something and I'm not doing it, well, then I'm not guilty on that part. So sin is much more than just the Ten Commandments. In the human heart, sin triggers you to doubt your salvation. And that is one thing that you need to be sure of. You cannot wonder whether you are saved or not. You have to know. And you can know. You can know. I know if I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Am I perfect now? No, I'm not. But Jesus paid for me and I couldn't pay it. So we need to know. Sin eats away at our God image. If we have sin in our life, it attacks our faith and it interferes with our relationship with God. Then we don't want to read our Bible. We don't want to come to church. We don't want to spend time with the Lord because we feel guilty. Okay, that's sin. Sin needs to go. Transgressions. Transgressions is pasha. Guys, I'm, 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 I'm making it less because I want to finish in time. So, it means rebellion and deception. Transgression is when you do the wrong thing and you know it's wrong. So, you know you're not supposed to gossip, yet you gossip. That's transgression. 
That's transgression. And there's deception in the human heart. So what you do is you are angry with God. You say that you are disappointed with God because you asked God something and he didn't answer you. You prayed and there was no answer. You needed a breakthrough and he didn't give you one. You are disappointed with God. You are angry with God. Now there's deception in your mind and you don't understand. So this is where bitterness takes root. And rebellion is as witchcraft, says one Samuel. So you see, I ask people, have you committed the sin of witchcraft? No. Oh, but you're rebellious. Okay, well, sin equals rebellion equals witchcraft. Something else to repent of. What do we do? We need to confess and repent. What is iniquity? Iniquity is adikai, which means to have a perverse spirit, vanity, a condition of not being right with God. But it's also injustice, unrighteousness, error, deviation from God's path done by others. And here you feel that God is disappointed with you. You are not good enough. You are not worthy. You have failed. So now you withdraw and your peace goes and your joy goes. And now depression sets in because you feel it is not well with my soul. Now, iniquities may be something that you have done. So you're passing it on to the generations to come. But iniquity is also generational. So parents and, and grandfathers and Previous people in your bloodline have sinned. There's an open door. It's not been confessed and repented of. There's legal right. And now it comes down like a magnet and it draws you unto it even if you don't want to do it. So you see patterns. Somebody's divorced and the children are divorced and the grandchildren are divorced and, or there's abortion or there's alcohol uh, misuse or Whatever it is, you'll see it comes down, it comes down, it comes down. But it only takes one person to say, enough. And I am willing to stand proxy for my whole bloodline. And I confess and I repent. And then it stops. And you exchange it for a blessing. So sin needs to go. Iniquity needs to. And transgressions need to. Good. Okay. Quickly. Unforgiveness. Needs to go. Unforgiveness. Needs to go. All right. I'm not saying what forgiveness is now. I'm quickly saying what is unforgiveness. Okay. Unforgiveness is a condition of the heart. It is when you are offended at somebody. You're not happy with what they did. You're disappointed. There's this uh feeling inside of you every time you see them. It can be born from injustice or trauma or betrayal or hurt. It grows shoots of bitterness, resentment, revenge, and deception. 
when there's unforgiveness and you don't deal with it, then disappointment increases. So now you become angry. And the more angry you become, the more your heart hardens. So now you have a hard heart. That word anger is rioth. Now, rioth comes from wreath. A wreath is when you twist a twig to make it round. Okay? So what happens is in your soul, there comes a twisting. There comes a darkness in your soul that you will say things and do things and then you think, oh, wow, did I do that? Did I say that? Because there's a hardness in you. And then there's an Anglo-Saxon word which says, um, let me be reminded of it. It's rioth, which means ghosting. If you have unforgiveness, what happened, the person or the event, it's, it's like a ghost. It haunts you. You talk about da-da-da-da-da, and then back you go there. And then you do this and this and this, and back you go there. So this haunting keeps you from moving into your future, and it keeps you from moving into your present. It's a ghosting. And then unforgiveness brings debt. Because that person is now indebted to you. They owe you. And the problem is the payment of unforgiveness is pain. Because you want them to suffer like they made you suffer. And that's where revenge comes in. And then the Lord says, you're not allowed to take revenge. Because you see, now you judge the person. And being human, you say, I am right and they are wrong. Now, in this area, we pay. We pay. So I am upset with Eleanor, with Ellie, and we have this big fight, and I've got unforgiveness and bitterness in my heart, and I've got a hard heart, and she's indebted to me, and every time she comes into church, I go sit on the other side of the aisle. But now... She does something, and instead of me screaming at her, I keep quiet. I pay debt. I pay a debt. So in that way, we pay, pay, pay. And then there's debt that only Jesus Christ can pay on your behalf or that person's behalf. Okay, so unforgiveness will kill you. It's proven that unforgiveness makes us sick. It brings cancer. It's the only emotion that can take you to hell. Because the Lord says we have to forgive. Jesus gave us the example. Forgiveness is an act of obedience. Forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. It is a command, not an option. When I forgive, I'm not saying what the person did is now okay. Forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean reconciliation. It may, but it may not. But it means where you were carrying this person, you let it go. Because that's all forgiveness means, let it go. Because unforgiveness is you drinking the poison and you hope they die. You're drinking the poison, you hope they die. 
Because they never know what they've done to you. They don't. Okay, just one, one little thingy. Okay, when you are in unforgiveness towards a person, we need to deal with it quickly. But you immediately go to the Lord. Immediately. So Luke offends me. So as I turn my back, I haven't spoken to him about it, I go to the Lord and I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I choose to forgive Pastor Luke for ABCD. And this is how he made me feel. But between me and God, I've forgiven him. I do not go to him and say to him, Pastor Luke, I have forgiven you. I, you don't do that. Because he can turn around and say, what? What did I do? What's wrong with you? That's ridiculous. Are you more than holy? What's your problem? No, please don't. You don't do that. But when Pastor Luke comes to me, and he says, Yvette, I have done A, B, and C. I think I might have offended you. I was wrong. I am so sorry. Will you please forgive me? Then I've already done it to the Lord. And then I can say, yes, Pastor Luke, I have forgiven you. And I do forgive you in the name of Jesus. You are free. But you never go to people and you tell them, you know, you forgive them. Uh-uh. Okay. I'm finishing off. You have a piece of paper. Okay. So this is important. Take your piece of paper. Have a pen. If you don't have a pen, then please put up your hand and we'll provide you with a pen. Okay. I'll provi we'll provide you with a pen. So keep the hands up. It's coming. It's coming. Okay, good. Okay, this is your homework. Before I give you your homework assignment, let's just quickly do confession and repentance. Because you see, we say we confess and repent. But what does that mean? Okay, confession is where you give the Lord permission to bring you to, into alignment with his word. You realize that you're not thinking like him and you're not doing what he says. You are out of alignment. So by confessing, you're saying, Lord, bring me into alignment with your word, with who you are. When we repent, we say to the Lord, we don't have your perception. Penthouse is always on the top of a building. You've got 360 degree view. God has 360 view. We don't. So by repenting, we're saying, I'm not seeing it the way that you see it. Lord, give me your perception. And then you make a U-turn. So it's, I'm going in the wrong way and I'm making a U-turn and now, now I'm going back to God. All right. That's repentance. Right. This is your homework. Write on your paper the sins, the transgressions, and the iniquities you need to repent and confess of. That's number one. 
Number two, make a list of the people you need to forgive. Make a list of the people you need to forgive. Oh, you don't have to worry about that one. They just jump into your thoughts. They will just be there. Now, make a point to take time over the next two weeks to deal with these before the Lord. Because we want to be rid of the toxins before we do part two. Now, okay, I'm quickly going to explain that. Pastor Luke, I'm finishing off. I'm finishing off. So, when God has shown you your sin, your transgression, your iniquity, bring sin and transgression before him, list your iniquities, and ask the Lord to cover those. Because with iniquities, you need a little bit of extra help. You need a ministry session. And in our church, there's more than many people that can help you and do that. So, make an appointment. And see your counselor or Ellie, and they will help you. We've got prayers that we work through. So you need maybe a little bit of help there. Make sure that that is done. But sins and transgressions you can absolutely do on your own. Bring the iniquities before the Lord. Say, Lord, my heart is this. I ask that you will forgive. I'm not so sure how to do it exactly in depth. But Lord, there's help for me. I will but cover. Okay. Then... The list of the people that you forgive. So obviously you repent and confess. Lord, I'm sorry that I lied to you. And I'm sorry that I cheated. And I'm sorry that I stole the pen from church. And, and Lord, I'm sorry. Okay. All right. So just, just list it. The Holy Spirit will show you. It will be in your heart there. Okay. How do we forgive? Okay. So this is what we do. You take the person... And then you begin to forgive for. So, Lord, I choose today to forgive Mandy for shouting at me in front of everyone. Lord, thank you. Lord, it made me feel embarrassed and humiliated and sad. And later, Lord, I got very angry. And Lord, I choose today to forgive Mandy for not wanting to sort it out with me and not wanting to talk to me. Lord, that made me feel rejected and abandoned and lonely, and I'm really scared that I'm going to lose my friendship with her. Can you see what we do? We forgive for, for this and this, because this is what we do with the Lord. Lord, please forgive me for lying. I'm sorry, I will not do that again. Help me to walk in truth. So we do the same with forgiveness. For, for, for. With every forgiveness, there will be an emotion tied to it. Okay. You lay that before the Lord. Now you receive forgiveness. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If I confess and repent, the Lord is faithful to cleanse me of all unrighteousness, says the scripture. Then I receive his forgiveness. Sometimes I have something to ask the Lord to forgive me for. Lord, I'm very sorry that I was really angry at Mandy. Lord, and I, and I, and I, say, I sent a, a terrible text. Lord, forgive me for that. I am sorry. I receive your forgiveness. Okay, that's how you do that. And then you give the Lord your heart. Because things like that breaks our heart. And then you ask him, Lord, will you please heal my heart? And then you do that in the next two weeks until there's nothing left. Until there's nothing left. Is that good?
Okay, let's pray. Father, we choose to bow our hearts before you this morning. Lord, we want to get rid of all the toxins. Lord, we want to let go of sin and transgression and iniquity and unforgiveness. Lord, we know how to do it now. Will you please help us, Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, we give you permission today to deal with this. Give us the memories without upsetting us. Lord, show us what needs to be on our list. Father, help us to come clean because we want to be healthy Christians. Lord, and we want to know what part two brings. We want to receive from you what we need. But Lord, we can't receive if our hands are full of these toxins. So Lord Jesus, will you please, by mercy and grace and great kindness, help us to lay down these toxins. Heal our hearts, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are with us all the time. And prepare our hearts so that we can look at the depth of your word next time, in two weeks' time. And Lord, that we can learn what we need to do, what the widow did, that will bring us into balance. And that we can learn about the person of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, we give you all glory and we give you all honor. Father, I pray that the seed that has fallen, let it be in fruitful ground and let it produce a harvest. And I come against any enemy attack in the name of Jesus and I declare that no seed will be consumed by the enemy. And I declare that there will be no backlash and reprisal in any way, shape or form. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over your people, families, extended families, pets, businesses, finances, everything that pertains to you in their lives. And Lord, they are protected in this time. In Jesus' mighty name, you may receive all glory and honor. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. We encourage you to allow this message and the Word of God to sink in and make a difference in your everyday life. To know more about our church, check us out online at northsidechurch.com.au.